Blog Talk Radio. were directed at the leadership within the church. Church number two was to the poor in the church, and church number three was to the retirees of the church, the veterans of the church. You can also double back this with any veterans, militarily speaking, within the church, but its main diatribe was directed to those that had already done their time in service in the Ecclesia. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to continue to cover the churches of Revelation. And you need to figure out which particular church with which represents you as a member of that particular Ecclesia. never know when that start gun is going to go off. Why, you're going to pull those pistols and whistle Dixie. Let's ride.
Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to WI2C Radio, the Seven Churches of Revelation, Part Two. Well, Brian, have you been uh, knee deep in Bible study about these seven churches since the last broadcast? Uh, much to cover here tonight. Uh, I've gotten some correspondence, Brian, uh, back and forth from that. People's eyes were blasted wide open, actually, at just the plainness of how we took the text in context. Um, so that was really encouraging, uh, Brian. But um, what's your comment so far on the seven churches of Revelation? Well, thus far, I mean, uh, you know, if you take what is stated in context, I think the text speaks for itself. I don't really know much else of what to say here on that. Well, I was pretty surprised myself because people thought that we were going to take them in a direction other than what the text plainly states. I mean, they were expecting us to give further information and details on these being church ages. That's what they actually thought. So it took them by surprise uh, that, no, we weren't going to go down that road. Taking them by complete surprise. And I think that a lot of listeners are beginning to realize that they need to be rewired just like an old house. You know, the old houses, Brian, were wired with knob and tube, bare wire running through the house, through the walls. And there comes a time when it just needs to be gutted because if you don't, it's going to burn down. It's not properly grounded. You can touch off on it and kill everybody in the house. And sometimes that's exactly what you need to do. There is no repairing it. Sometimes you have to gut it and rewire. That's just the way it has to be done. And a lot of people have a lot of difficulty doing that. And I don't know if if that's just perhaps uh, maybe the way that they learn naturally uh, is kind of opposed to reconstruction. But they did agree with us wholeheartedly that once we brought this point up, they began to look into uh, Revelation chapters 2 and 3 themselves, and they could not find one logical reason to deduct this had anything to do with periods of time and that these churches were separated. And I just found that, well, I found that kind of heartwarming that once they turned all the commentaries off and just read it, they couldn't find one scrap of evidence to say that these churches had been separated in any way, shape, or form. Not location. Guess where they found them? That's right. They found them all in the land of the midst of the rivers. What time were they in? That's right. The same time. 
They all existed at the same time, not separate epochs in history. And they couldn't find one piece of evidence that could make you conclude that God was wanting you uh, to put these into different times on different places on a timeline, which means different locality and altogether skewed synchronicity. No, no proof of that whatsoever. He never intended to do that, yet that is exactly what they've done. So we got uh, quite a few thanks for that, just simply pointing that out. And I thought that was uh, pretty heartwarming, and it was pretty encouraging. Um, but I'm sure that the hate mail will come later. It will come eventually. It always does. <laughs> so let's get right to the next church, Brian. If uh, you don't have any further comments, let's just get right to it. Nope, no further comments, and I guess I'll jump in and read this set of, uh, I don't know how many verses here, 11, my eyes are having fun adjusting here. And to the angel of the church in Thyatria, write, son of God who has eyes like a fire and his feet are like burnished bronze, says this, I know your deeds and your love and faith and service and perseverance, and that your deeds of late are greater than at first. But I have this against you, that you tolerate the woman Jezebel, calls herself a prophetess, and she teaches and leads my bondservants astray, so that they commit acts of immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent, and she does not want to repent of her immorality. Behold, I will throw her on a bed of sickness, and those who adultery with her into great tribulation unless they repent of her deeds. And I will kill her children with pestilence, and all the churches will know that I am he who searches the minds and hearts, and I will give to each one of you according to your deeds. But I say to you, the rest who are who do not hold this teaching, who have not known the deep things of Satan, as they call them, I place no other burden on you. Nevertheless, what you have, hold fast until I come. He who overcomes and who keeps my deeds until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron, as the vessels of the potter are broken to pieces, as I also have received authority from my father. And I will give him the morning star. If you has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. What's your impression about this, Brian? Who do you think he's, what group do you think he's trying to address here with this church? What group did you say? Yes, which group? Well, upon first glance and you know stopping to think about it a little bit you kind of have sort of a twofold thing going on here but to me to a degree it has to do with some of the women and children keep getting brought up continually as well that's right I'm glad that you brought that up this is all about the women and children 
make no mistakes about it. But, ladies and gentlemen, when you step back, you realize that this must be addressing the teachers. Must be. These are the ones on active duty teaching in the church. There is no doubt about it that uh, this one is quite uh, particular in the use and its cases of the feminine form. Okay? Uh, let's just take uh, the instant here when it uh, uses the word lego there in the Greek. That's G3004 uh, there in verse 20. Well, that's in the present active participle acoustic singular feminine. He's wanting you to know exactly uh, he's using gender here. No doubt about it. And this is a pretty dire threat uh, that is given here. And you'll take note that this is very specific uh, threats that's mentioned here. Um, he brings up the rod of iron here, in which he will rule and reign with, make no mistakes about it. But this threat of being dashed to pieces. You know, Psalms 2. Psalms 30. <laughs> I mean, this is a... Uh, Jeremiah 19. He mentions here the morning star. Ladies and gentlemen. You know, listen to this threat in comparison to the other threats that we've received directed at the different churches. I mean, you have to understand that this is what the Lord Jesus Christ verbatim gave to that angel to relate to John. And I will kill her children. I mean, if that doesn't make a dead silence after that phrase has been spoken, I don't know what would. And I've actually put this to the test. In a classroom, in a sanctuary, in an auditorium, I've said this very statement here and just went quiet. You could have heard a pin drop as everybody starts looking at each other. This is a dire threat. Okay? And... One thing is for sure. There is no mistaking it that these things were going on actively in this ecclesia. Some teachers were obviously doing it 
And the other ones, guess what they were doing? Nothing. Nothing. Tolerate, ladies and gentlemen, verse 20. Tolerate. One of the meanings of this root word here is to uh, give permission to. You know, ladies and gentlemen, if you're a Christian, (laughs) that actually means something. It means that you do something. It means that you are something. And you have to realize that it's one thing when these people that you might see on the social networking site, they're not a part of your church. They're not a part of your living and breathing body. But when you know full well there's people in your ecclesia, there are members in your ecclesia, that are obviously leprous. They are obviously cancerous. And you do nothing? This text is really unnerving. It's really unnerving. When you realize... What the Lord Jesus Christ is actually saying here. And you need to realize that this portion of Scripture is letting all you know who serve in the churches. If you serve in your local church and you have not alerted the people that have been set over you, which is the ones mentioned in the very first church, don't think you're getting away with anything because your shepherd doesn't think it's funny at all. He doesn't think it's humorous at all. He mentions a very important thing here. Telos. He who overcomes and keeps my what? His deeds until the end. To him I will give authority over the nations. And I hope there's not some part of that that you don't understand exactly what Christ said. Some translations um, translate this as works. But yes, that's exactly what Jesus is saying. 
if you don't keep his works until the end. That should get your attention. How is it is he going to give someone a morning star? How is that? Well, that's not a very easy or simple topic to talk about. It's, of course, laid to you out very plainly in the apocalypse of Isaiah. However, we don't have time to cover that. But that's just my opening thoughts. As I sat there and listened to exactly what was being spoken of. If you serve in the church and there's bad things going on, you had better report it to those in authority over you. You this is not this is non-optional. I mean Christ himself comes out and says that he gets, and it's just so beautiful what he says in the Greek here. The New American Standard Bible, it's interesting how it puts it. Uh, the KJV, I gave her space to repent. I appreciate that. That's chronos. You know, ladies and gentlemen, that makes me think of something else, but she's on a countdown. A countdown to destruction. Take note what comes up here in verse 23. And I will kill her children with pestilence in all the churches. Uh-oh. Right here, he states emphatically that all of these churches exist in one time, one place, one epoch, so to speak. And I will kill her children with pestilence, and all the churches will know that I am he who searches the minds and the hearts, and I will give to each one of you according to your what? Yes, the same word I talked about before. Works, deeds. So, now that we're to this one, we realize something of great magnitude is taking place in perfect synchronicity in all seven churches. And you can argue with Christ about that if you want to. I'm just telling you what he said. And he just said right in the middle of these churches, by the way, they will all know at the exact same time what's going on when I do this. It'll all be executed in concert one with another obliterating any misconception 
that these churches are different church ages. Because, ladies and gentlemen, if these were church ages, there's absolutely no way this statement could have ever been true because the church's name before this one would have never known the events that took place. But here we go again, talking about her and immorality, which I told you last week. That is the root word for pornography. Doesn't mean anything else. But how much time do you think she's going to be given to repent? Because that's the same exact duration of time that you have to do something about it. Or you didn't get that from the plainness of the text? It's the same duration of time. However long this time is that she has to repent is the exact same time that you have to do something about it. Brian. Your thoughts on uh, this text, just the way it stands? Well, I mean, I'd have to bring up at the same time, we do have another layer put on top of this, because you cannot... How do I put this? You know, when you take uh, verse 2, verse 20, I have this against you, that you tolerate the woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess. And she teaches and leads my bond servants astray so that they commit acts of immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. Okay, so let's go backwards here again. I do not see that it's coincidence that the name of this specific woman at this specific time happens to be Jezebel. Your mind automatically should be wrapping back to the wife of Ahab and the daughter of the Phoenician king, Ethbal, or the Canaanite king. You automatically should already be going back to this place in your mind immediately. Okay, now, tolerate this woman Jezebel, who calls herself a what? A prophetess. Teaches and leads my bondservants astray. Folks, step back. Ask yourself, how much of this do you see going on out there where you have complete and entire ministries devoted to one that calls themselves a prophetess and in their teachings are leading people astray? I could throw out about a billion names if I so desired. I don't desire. It's not what we're here to do. Nonetheless, This goes back to this very thing I'm trying to point out. On top of it, when you have... Actually, no. I'm going to address this first. There's an infamous teaching, and this goes back to where I'm going to pull this in a moment. 
running around out there that people are possessed with the spirit of Jezebel. Well, folks, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but you cannot be possessed by the spirit of a woman that is long dead. Things don't work that way. Never has. And that goes back to the twofold connotation of what I was referring to a moment ago. And I brought this up in last week's show. Um, when you go down here to uh, 2 verse 24, but I say to you, the rest who are in Thyatira who do not hold this teaching, who have not known the deep things of Satan, as they call them, I place no other burden on you. All right. Who have not known the deep things of Satan. Call what I said before, folks, in the last episode about churches that are absolutely obsessed with spiritual warfare. They will go through to the point of, you know, they are constantly being attacked by this, that, or the other thing on a continual basis that Satan's out to get them on a continual basis. And the deeper and the more these people start going into this mindset of the spiritual warfare, they start treading within the areas of occultism by going to extreme depths of things that just get to the point of utter ridiculousness. Now, I've seen the repercussions of this nonstop for years and how much these twisted teachings get inside of people's heads and the damage that it does, and it's not its not a joke by any stretch of the imagination. You know, and it's... Well, maybe one day we're going to have to add that into our uh, list of things that need to get done here, but I think we're going to have to address this at some point because personally here where I'm located in my geographical location, I see this at the forefront and the center of things that are happening. And let's see here. On top of it, you touched on that already too, and I will give him the morning star. I find that rather ironic that that's sitting where it is because once again well folks you're being brought to venus either you know we have hesperos and phosphorus one of those being the morning star itself aspect of venus so you know your mind is getting pulled in all these different directions and i think that's that's it for the time being that i wanted to touch on I will say this, I'm not going to go into celestial somology. Uh, what Brian put there at the end is, is very important, uh, but we really don't have time to get into the celestial uh, somology concerning the seven churches. Let me do this, ladies and gentlemen. What Brian started out with is paramount to what I stated, even though it was after the fact. Ladies and gentlemen, Jezebel wasn't in charge. She never was. Like I said, if you're under circumstances where she is operating, you need to go to the leaders of your church. That's what the first church was directed to. The only reason why Jezebel was able to do anything was because the king 
did nothing, irregardless of his relationship to this woman, there is no need to discuss the book of Esther. That is what should have been done. And here we go again. How is it that the king done righteously by Vashti, a pagan king, and yet the king of Israel allowed the wickedness of Jezebel to be unleashed when she had no good intentions for the king's estate. Brian made it perfectly clear that, uh, by the way, Jezebel was the daughter of Ethbal II, which, by the way, was a priest and a king. That's why the passage of the scripture there that most people call... Um, Satan, the, the cherub passage there with the stones. Well, there's not enough stones on the breastplate there, ladies and gentlemen. You're supposed to know he is historically addressing Ethbal. Now, of course, he is speaking prophetically. And you could put who is being addressed under the rank of file of Satan because he certainly is the prince, the head of those entities that are in charge of this planet at present moment. But, ladies and gentlemen, that's why I said to you what I said. You can't stand around and let this go on. You need to report it to the king. But, ladies and gentlemen, it, it amazes me. Do you know what this text says in the Greek? Because you cannot even talk about Revelation chapter 2, verse 20, and not know that word is only used for one person in the Bible, God's holy word, both in Kings and Chronicles. The story is told twice. And yesterday and today... I scoured the internet. I went to, oh my goodness, all of your favorite Bible teachers, all of them, all the top names, not one of them mentioned the simple fact that this word was used in relation to one of the seven prophetesses of the Bible. Blew me away. I could only get this in Hebrew. Of course, because the rabbis know all about it. They know about Sarah, Miriam, Deborah, Hannah, Abigail, Esther, and Hulda. You don't know who I'm talking about? If you don't know who I'm talking about, how... <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, how... I really have stumped all of you, haven't I? You really have heard no one ever tell you this. How could you have been studying Bible prophecy for 20 years and not knowing this is a direct reference to one of the seven prophetesses, and you didn't even know there were seven of them? 
But what amazed me is I pointed out to two or three Messianic Jewish websites in the state of Israel, and, and, and ladies, I'm not talking about Americans. These are real Jews that have converted. And I brought it to their attention via email. One of them I got response back already. I was like, you need to start doing something in English because there's no way uh, for uh, the English-speaking Jews to know what's going on. Well, we only do our things in Hebrew. They had no idea <laughs> that, <laughs> that the Gentile Christians had no idea about the seven prophetesses, and this is a direct reference to one of them. Completely blew them away. And I don't know about the uh, the other three. I need to get response back from them. But of course, it would take them all kinds of work. And they're like, I know what I know what Tum's going to say. I don't have to worry about that. That's your job, Matthew. Yeah, that's just that's just perfect. But ladies and gentlemen, Brian, uh, can you please go to Second Kings chapter twenty-two and verse fourteen? Get ready to read that. Second Kings twenty-two fourteen. Everybody, everybody, if you don't know anything about this prophetess. Right now, go to Second Kings chapter 22 and verse 14. It's important that we hear everything that Brian has to say. It's very important when he, when he reads this, you, you need to understand that you've had weapons of mass distraction used against you. In this very church, it's almost like God put it all together in this one so... Like I already pointed out, there's no way you could conclude that these are seven different church ages because he directs items, includes all seven churches in relation with what is going to happen to this one. He brings up prophetess, that Greek word. <laughs> and, of course, the star is supposed to be mentioned because the other time in a Septuagint that word is used is in the Emmanuel prophecy. And maybe I just went too far. Maybe I just, you know, maybe that's too much information. But this word for prophetess is used twice concerning this one prophetess that Brian's going to read about. But the story is just repeated. It's in Second Kings chapter 22, starting with verse 14. It's also repeated in Second Chronicles 34, verse 22. Then it is in Isaiah chapter 8, the Emmanuel prophecy. But for time's sake, we just need to get Brian to read this about this prophecy and understand that all Messianic Jews, all the Jew Christians that you know, know all about the seven prophetesses. I mean, well, it, 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 it. And there's a reason why Sarah is called the first one, because it's her seed that is, well, 
that's in reference to the Morning Star as well. But for time's sake, I mean, good good grief, we're already 45 minutes into it. I'm rambling on like an idiot. Brian, can you please uh, start reading there in Second Kings chapter 22, verse 14? So, Hilkah the priest, Ahiakim, Akbor, Shaphan, and Asiah went to Huldah, the priest, the prophetess, the wife of Shalom, the son of Tibkah, the son of Haras, keeper of the wardrobe. Now she lived in Jerusalem in the second quarter, and they spoke to her. Do you want me to continue here? Yes, read to the end of the chapter, please. Okay. She said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Tell the men, the man who sent you to me, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I bring evil on this place and on its inhabitants, even all the words of the book which the king of Judah has read. Because they have forsaken me and have burned incense to other gods that they might provoke me to anger, with all the work of their hands, therefore my wrath burns against this place, and it shall not be quenched. But to the king of Judah, who sent you to inquire of the Lord, thus shall you say to him, thus says the Lord God of Israel, regarding the words which you have heard, because your heart was tender and you humbled yourself before the Lord, when you heard what I spoke against this place and against its inhabitants, that they should become a desolation and a curse. And you have torn your clothes and wept before me. I truly have heard you, declares the Lord. Therefore, behold, I will gather you to the fathers, and that you will be gathered to your grave in peace, and your eyes will not see all the evil which I bring on this place. So they brought back word to the king. Now, just take note. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you realize that this is in real time. Verse 14. This is real. You need to understand uh, that that's what uh, the Huda Gate is in the southern wall on the Temple Mount. And you claim to know Bible, Bible prophecy for 20 years, and you don't know the prophetess that that gate on the Temple Mount, on the Southern Wall, is named after. I find that um, too far of a stretch, myself personally. I find that too far of a stretch. Uh, stretch. I I am sorry, but those of you who profess to study. Bible prophecy for 20 years and don't know these things, I I would have to bear witness against you if the Lord questioned me about it. I would have to say, no, Lord, the evidence points that they have not studied Bible prophecy for 20 years. They've studied end-time theories and eschatology commentaries. They have not, in fact, peered into your word and studied that. Because there's no way you could have studied Bible prophecy, all the players, 
and never come across this and never put this to exactly what was being stated in Revelation chapter 2, verse 20. That's no, the evidence bears against you. Now, now I'm sorry about that, but, but I fear God. So if he asked me, I'd, I'd, I'd have to disagree with you. I'd have to bear a truthful witness against you. That the, the evidence don't say that. So, with that in mind, that makes this passage extremely important. That this is exactly what was stated. And, ladies and gentlemen, you have to understand... Now you really understand why I made my opening comments the way I did. You must do something about it. And I mean, if your leadership won't do anything about it, you need to do what was done by this particular individual and tear your clothes and go up in the front of the church or you know, whatever church you attend, home church. You need to stand up and weep out loud and repent and say, no, I ain't doing this no more. We're out of here. Even if, it mean, even if it means a separation unto the ecclesia, that can be represented as severe as the separation of Israel and Judah. It's the splitting of the two kingdoms. You better do something, and you better do it now before that time for her to repent runs out. Now, Ladies and gentlemen, let me ask you this. Do you know which book was being read from here? You need to know what was being read. I mean... Uh, Brian read it to you, and now you can uh, read it for yourself. Uh, and this is no joke. This is no joke. You know, this is this is so important uh that you need to go and uh, you, you need to understand that this is set up in perfect synchronicity because you know what happens next don't you ladies and gentlemen this is the very passage in second chronicles chapter 34 or not er but chapter 34 verse 22 does anybody know what happens the very next verse after this stanza is completed it's right, the reign of the good king, Josiah. This is the turning point. And, and, and ladies and gentlemen, you need to fear God. And you probably shouldn't say that in public, that you've been studying Bible prophecy for 20 years. If you didn't know that chronologically speaking, this was a representation 
of that period of the Day of the Lamb and the Kronos being referred to, this particular Kronos is mentioned by three different identifiers. It's Time's time and a half time. It's 42 months. And it's 1,260 days. And if you didn't know that the whole rhyme and the whole reason... To these prophecies being mentioned before he mentions the morning star, I don't know what to tell you. Because that's the difference between the lamb and the king. That That's the difference. You need to understand that the book of Revelation calls him the lamb multiple times. All of these have a reason and a rhyme. And it's massively important that, that you need to put all these things together before this time is started. Because, well, ladies and gentlemen, yes, you were supposed to see Jezebel, but that's supposed to be the duh part. Everybody knows that Jezebel wasn't in charge. She wasn't anointed to be anything. The king was anointed. That was the easy part. But if you didn't realize this was referring back to Hulda, I, I don't know what to tell you. Because you can't see it in English. You would have had to have known this from the Greek. And it's really bad if you didn't realize that there were seven prophetesses, then you're going like a million steps further. I mean, like these Hebrew Roots people, on occasion, email me questions and things like that, and really, I start talking about the negative, positive laws, they don't even want to talk about or how many, or how many there are. I'm like, well, you're, you're really kind of not qualified to to have this discussion with me, you you don't know what you're talking about. And I tell them, you know, you need to fear God and go do some real study. Throw your commentaries away. You need to do really. We need to really talk about the text itself. I'm not going to talk about the entertainment industry. And I'll show mercy. If you are a student of Hebrew, I don't have to mention the Greek. I, 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 I'm not going to do that to you. We'll speak in Hebrew all day. But in order to do so, you have to know what you're talking about. So... This... 
And I hope I've at least been able to point out some key points that you need to be keeping Jesus' deeds. That's what he says. He didn't say my words. That's not what he said. He didn't say logos. It's not what he said. <coughs> Excuse me. So this is massively important that we understand that this is just a uh, a plague in the church today. It's a pestilence. I mean, this Brian is correct in in limiting what he says about it because we could talk about this all day long. I mean, ladies and gentlemen, you know. What you're supposed to do to determine if someone is a prophet or a prophetess. Uh, you're supposed to test them. You're supposed to weigh and ascertain whether they really be a prophet or prophetess or not. And if they're not, just know in your heart, you're going to lie in bed with them. You need to do something, even if it's get up in the middle of everybody, repent of it, and leave. You've got to do something. This cannot be tolerated, and oh my goodness, is it tolerated. I'm emphatically not telling you to do this on social networking sites. I'm talking about your real body that you're a member of. The people that you see, the people that you go and make up an ecclesia with. You better take care of what is going on. Brian, your thoughts. Well, I mean, I have to I have to add in something here and I don't know not stating this, I think, is not the proper thing to do whatsoever. Um, as you stated, you know, concerning this prophetess, this Jezebel in this circumstance, the infamous thing to point out, she was in charge. As Matthew stated, no, it was not the anointed king. She took charge. Now, if you... Pay attention to these circumstances because, look, folks, I could give you a video representation of what happens when you have a group of people operating outside the confines of how the church has been set up to operate. You have a group with no head over them whatsoever. Next thing you know, you have an out-of-control coven of witches right in front of your eyes. I've watched this happen for years. I've watched it go unchecked, and it goes completely and absolutely out of control. Let's um, further amplify this, Matthew. brought up Isaiah 8, because it's quite simple, folks. If you run that Greek word for prophetess, you're going to get all four totality of these verses, including Revelation 2, verse 20. But if we go further into Isaiah 8, 
most specifically if you look at 8 verse 19. When they say to you, consult the mediums and the spiritists who whisper and mutter. Should not a people consult their God? Should they consult the dead on behalf of the living? Take note of this. To the law and to the testimony. If they do not speak according to the word, it is because they have no dawn. All right. What did Matthew just state about what it is that these people are speaking that are calling themselves, and it goes in both sides, prophets or a prophetess. Everybody in this neck of the woods with their signs and wonders, they all want to run around and get prophesied to, but they refuse to even check to see if these prophecies line up with the word of God. They don't do it, but making matters worse, folks, why are you going out and seeking after these prophets? I mean, for Pete's sakes, there's even phone numbers people can call into so they can get their own prophecy spoken to them this is utter nonsense folks that's where i'm going to leave that off and you know what let's let's say this before the break i can't believe i've dropped the ball so badly Uh, we we're already halfway through the broadcast and we've only covered one church that's unacceptable but ladies and gentlemen Ladies and gentlemen, please try to remember this, that if a prophet or prophetess, they say and give a prophecy, you need to start a timer, and that timer needs to be terminated in 59 days. You really are supposed to know that. You really are. And it really is important in more ways than you can understand. And this is one of the things that we're going to need once that trigger's been pulled on that start gun. Once the time that Christ is referring to, uh, because, ladies and gentlemen, the Emmanuel prophecy is going to come true. You're going to get your morning star in exactly 1,260 days. It's going to come in exactly times, time and a half time. You will enter into that time in exactly 42 months. So without further ado, we are going to play the second part of the Reawakened Christmas Request Live uh, with Nate and his wife. This is absolutely Good stuff. We'll be right back in 12 minutes, 55 seconds. Oh 
Silent Night. Thank you so much, everybody, for watching. From Indiana to Wisconsin to the Philippines to Germany to wherever else you are, thank you so much for watching. I'm Nathan. This is my wife, Laura. This has been Reawaken Christmas Live. And join us next month for regular Hymn Request Live. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Man, that's good stuff. All right, Brian, let's move right along here into the second chapter of the churches. I, you know what, we don't have that much time. <laughs> uh, Brian, you can go ahead and start reading there in chapter 3 if you would like. Let's read about the church to Sardis. To the angel of the church in Sardis, write, He who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars says this, I know your deeds, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. Wake up and strengthen the things that remain, which were about to die, for I have found your deeds completed. I have not found your deeds completed in the sight of my God. So remember that you have received and heard and keep it and repent. Therefore, if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know at what hour I will come to you. You have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their garments and they will walk with me in white for they are worthy. He who overcomes will thus be clothed in white garments, and I will not erase his name from the book of life, and I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Go ahead, Brian. You can offer your opening diatribe on that church right there. Uh, so many things in it uh, to talk about. So you take the first shot at this one. Well, this one is, uh, it's got some peculiarity in it at first glance. Um, you know, it's rather interesting when you look at, for instance, the uh, word that comes up last in verse 3, verse 1, which is necros or dead. Um, you know, you run this through, for instance, uh, your word search, and you're going to come up with three verses in the Old Testament and another nine verses in the New Testament. And we've got this, uh comes up here in uh, Judges 4, verse 22. And let's see, it's concerning Barak and uh, pursued Sisera Jael out to meet him and said, come and I will show you the man whom you are seeking. And he entered with her and behold, Sisera was lying dead with the tent peg in his temple, which obviously here you're dealing with Ehud and Barak. And you move on. You've got a Psalms 30 verse 13. Now it's typically 12 verses from the Hebrew. And for some reason on my iMac, I don't seem to have 
access to any of the English translations of the Septuagint, so I can't read that one. But Isaiah 14, verse 19, and we just talked about this. Yes, folks, this is the infamous where everybody thinks this is referring to Lucifer, but Matthew just pointed something out previous, didn't he? But it comes up uh, 14, verse 19. But you have been cast out of your tomb like a rejected branch, clothed with the slain who are pierced with a sword, who go down to the stones of the pit like a trampled corpse. And I'm going to leave it there at that one and let you take over here, Matthew. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this one obviously ups the ante, doesn't it? Because who could he possibly be referring to in this one? Ladies and gentlemen, he's up the ante in this one. He's literally talking about Lottie Dottie everybody. And if you didn't catch that from verse 1, let me restate that. But he's saying, who has the sevenfold spirit of God? That's right, ladies and gentlemen. This is in direct reference to, of course, everybody knows Isaiah, the 11th chapter, correct? That's where you get the first six ones. And, of course, this show is named after the final and seventh one, the Spirit of Truth. Now, I guess there is a chance that people really don't know what I'm talking about. The Holy Spirit is real. Um, it is sevenfold. Not only that, don't you realize that the scroll that the Lamb is going to break the seals on, it has seven seals, ladies and gentlemen. That scroll was not sealed by God the Father. And oh my goodness, the Hebrew roots people are really going to hate my guts now because they hate his Holy Spirit. But Isaiah, the 11th chapter, with verse 1, please do take note about the bearing fruit and the children in the first verse. Then... A shoot will spring from the stem of Jesse and the branch from the roots will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of understanding and wisdom, the spirit of counsel and strength, the spirit of knowledge, and the fear of the Lord. And of course, the spirit of truth. So, ladies and gentlemen, you need to know that this is directly confronting everybody that's a member in the Ecclesia. Everybody. Everybody in the pews, all the sheep. This is to Lottie, Dottie, everybody. Everything that is stated in these verses is just off the charts. 
I absolutely love this one. Um, he, of course, tells you uh, to wake up. Reminds you about your garments. Um, and it amazes me that, that, that some people don't realize he says this so many times in so different in so many different ways, the importance of your garments. You know, let's talk about where that reference goes to directly. Let's talk about Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 9. Okay? I'll just start with verse 7. Go eat your bread in happiness and drink your wine with a cheerful heart, for God has already approved your works. Stop the bus. Stop the bus. What did I go to great lengths to point out to you about the last church? Christ was very specifically saying, those who do my deeds. If you couldn't put two and two together after 20 years of studying Bible prophecy... Let us listen and understand. Verse 8. Let your clothes be white all the time. And let not oil be lacking on your head. Enjoy life with the woman whom you love all the days of your fleeting life which he has given to you under the sun. For this is your reward in life and your toil in which you have labored under the sun. You'll take note that he mentioned under the sun twice. So one has everything to do with the other. I mean, the importance of everything being stated here just Harry, of course, mentions the book of life. Ladies and gentlemen, he just threatened you. Do you not realize that uh, this completely trumps everything you ever heard about once saved, always saved? Because this is what he said. And I will not erase his name from the book of life. Um, he literally comes out and is expecting you to know that if you do not overcome, he will erase your name. It will be eradicated. This does not mean to block. Ladies and gentlemen, there's a big difference. You need to understand this with the ancient text. If you had a 25-foot scroll, did you know that you didn't have whiteout? That's right. They would have to blot your name out. They'd have to cover it up with ink. But that's not good enough for the Lord Jesus Christ. 
He gets so ticked off that he knows that your name will still be in the book of life if you do not overcome and keep your garments white. And he knows in the back of his mind that, hey, it's still there. I just inked over it. So that ain't good enough. That's not what this says, okay? This does not have anything to, uh, to do with the word to cover up. It means to obliterate, to disintegrate. So it's not blot out. It means erase, eradicate it. Now, I know that a lot of people say a lot of different things. I really don't care. I'm telling you what he wrote. So, you need to take note that what is referred to here is just absolutely... Pertinent and perfect. Amazing. Uh, you have a name that you are alive, but you're dead. Ladies and gentlemen, you can call yourself a Christian all you'd like to. Uh, that does not mean that's what you are. not what it means. Not even a little bit. And it bothers me that people don't realize this. I mean, he makes himself pretty clear. Keep it. Keep it. There's no arguing what verse 3 means. What you have received, heard, and keep, and repent. And it amazes me how people just think they can get away with murder. What bothers me is the reference here to quantity in the Greek. It really does bother me in verse 4. And I wish there was some polite way around it. Aligo. It's just... It means few. It means very little. But yet nobody fears God. They literally think Man, I I don't know how to plead with you to convince you that
you cannot get away with living a life of sin. There's no thieves in the kingdom of heaven. No liars. No. But this puts it very painfully clear. A few people. Just a few people. That walk with the Lord. In white. That are worthy. That's a scary thought. Brian? Well, it's, you know, touching on a few of these odds and ends here. Again, I mean, uh, well, let's touch on the first one. You know, how many uh, infamous doctrines are actually sitting here in broad daylight that uh, people have taught that are completely and absolutely untrue? Um, okay, you touched on the one saved, always saved. Well, let's look at this, Revelation 20, verse 15. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Now, if your name has therefore been blotted out of the book of life, it's been obliterated, it's been erased, were you thrown? Okay, now that doctrine goes away. It goes bye-bye. There's no more room to even consider it, talk about it, nor argue about it. Um, let's touch on another one. I've, um, you know, I've had the infamous heard it a billion times around this neck of the woods about, uh, works are dead. And yet you bring up the book of James and they all flee into the corner. It touches on that. And even, it's kind of right here in broad daylight and it really kind of bothers me that, uh, I noticed some of the commentaries stating, well, that's not what it's saying. Um, In verse 3, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what hour I will come to you. Where, okay, the response I usually get is, well, not everybody um, is able to understand or study end-time prophecy, and I point out to them that everybody is to be aware and know what is going on and know these things ahead of time because you were told all of these things ahead of time so that you would not be caught unaware. So it's sort of right here. And that, I guess I can leave that there for now. Amen. Amen. We better get to boogie, and that's for sure. Brian, let's get on to the message to Philadelphia. Good stuff. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, right? He who is holy, who is true, who has the key of David who opens and no one will shut and who shuts and no one opens says this. I know your deeds. Behold, I have put before you an open door, which no one can shut 
because you have a little power and have kept my word and have not denied my name. Behold, I will cause those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews and are not, but lie, I will make them come and bow down at your feet and make them know that I have loved you. Because you have kept the word of my perseverance, I will also keep you from the hour of testing, that hour which is about to come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have so that no one will take your crown. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he will not go out from it anymore, and I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God and my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Good stuff, and very plain in its text, Brian. Wouldn't you agree? It's very straightforward, and everything he mentions here is really out in the open. really is. Of course, that's why he opens the entire message with the key of David, relating this to the door that everybody is capable of coming in to salvation. Everybody. Take note again. Here we go again. You have kept my word and have not denied my name. This is, ladies and gentlemen, a way to phrase this in Greek where it's absolutely not equal. It is, however, opposite. You either keep his word or deny his name. No ands, ifs, or buts about it. You either keep his word. If you don't, you by default are denying his name. Ten. Because you have done what? Kept the word. He says it over and over and over, and then it says something you don't want it to say. This chronos, this time, is going to come about upon the whole world at the same time. Um, thereby eradicating any possibility... That you've escaped. Nobody has gone to heaven. It says the whole world. That's what it says. That's what it means. And it means that this time... 
Roddy Dottie, everybody is involved. And either you're going to keep his word or deny his name, one or the other. And by the way, there are some very terrible things that's going to happen to make sure that you choose one or the other. During this time, by the way. And he states very emphatically that if you do make it through this time of testing, keeping his word, you will be included in the superstructure of the temple of God. I find it amazing. Here, it says, the Spirit. But, no need for me to point out what I've already stated. Why, in the message to the last church, he said the sevenfold Spirit of God, or the seven spirits of God, and here he ends it in the opposite way, even though that way is equal as well. And ladies and gentlemen, I, we don't have a whole lot of time to incorporate all the things which is being talked about here. But, ladies and gentlemen, this is directly related to Jehoiakim. Ladies and gentlemen, and Boaz. So, if you don't understand the constructions of the temple, uh, we don't have time to cover all of that right here. There's no way we can do that. No way. But there's things being mentioned here that tie directly to Ezekiel chapter 48. Oh my goodness, we are down to the last 15 minutes. But I have pointed out enough that you know exactly what was meant, that this includes Lottie Dottie, everybody on the face of the earth at the same time, thereby once again trumping any notions of being a church age separate from the other six churches. Brian, if you have no further comments... Let's get to the last one. This needs to be well, covered before we sign off tonight. Well, I was going to point yeah, out. Yeah, go ahead, very Brian. Quick. Yeah, there's a, a couple of odds and ends. Um, 
I guess the most notable one is we go back to what we discussed last Saturday and this improper understanding has led the Crusaders to push to have Jerusalem named as the capital of Israel because according to what they think, that the temple cannot be rebuilt and that um, the Lord will not come back until that is done. When once again, you're looking at directly what the Lord has to say concerning this very topic. It's right here in broad daylight. Now, to move on to the Church of Laodicea and good grief, as I, I looked over this again today, I've heard all the infamous teachings about this one, but to be quite honest, it really sort of hits you when you look at it in its proper context and realize that they are completely off base. To the angel of the church in Laodicea write, Amen, the faithful and true witness. The beginning of the creation of God says this, I know your deeds that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing. And you do not know that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I advise you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may become rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and that the shame of the nakedness will not be revealed. The eyes have to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come to him and will dine with him, and he with me. He who overcomes, I will grant him to sit down with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He was an ear to hear. Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Let me just open this very, very quickly and very painfully. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, you heard correctly. This is addressed to those people in the church that are wealthy. And it's amazing to me that people take offense in the church that are wealthy. And I mean by wealthy, uh, over a million dollars in assets. That this comes last, and we have to talk about this last. I've had him get really frustrated with the Lord. Why did I talk about the leaders and then the poor, and it leaves us for last? And why is he saying that we in particular, uh, we can't see that we're naked? And he's also inferring that uh, you obviously don't have white garments. But yes, ladies and gentlemen, this is addressing the wealthy in the church. 
It is. And you're supposed to know what's really the only way to do this. Because we talked about it when we talked about that word used for poor considering the second church. Where was it found? I reminded you that it was that word was illicitly used by the Lord Jesus Christ in reference to what you call the rich young ruler. Even as he told him, so he's telling you right now, not later, he's telling you right now. When one particular individual comes to mind, I'm not going to mention his name. Oh, he's got well over nine digits. You know, ladies and gentlemen, just know this. If you're living off of interest, you're terribly wrong. God is going to take you to the bank. If you don't do anything for the second ecclesia, because you don't want to spend too much, because it would mean you couldn't exclusively live off your interest. You need to pick up different interest altogether. Maybe Bible prophecy would do you good. But this text is painfully obvious. No reason to beat around the bush. Ladies and gentlemen, you need to figure out when enough is enough. You really do. Brian, your comments? Well, I mean, let's let's stop and consider, folks. What has everybody been taught for years upon years upon years on end concerning this church? You see, all I've ever heard anybody talk about is being backslidden. That's what this is talking about. It's about being backslidden. Really? Is that what the text is telling you? It's not even remotely coming close to that. But, you know, let, let's talk about what is this, 3 verse 18? I advise you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may become rich. Now, why? Well, folks, aren't you? I mean, they're telling you to go out and buy gold and silver, aren't they? And yet, what's the Lord telling you to buy from whom? From me, gold refined by fire so that you may become rich. It is so painstakingly obvious what this church, what it is referring to, and the fact that they have intentionally misled everybody to buy into 
that this is about being backslidden is utterly enough to blow your mind. And I mean, that's the main things I've got to state for the time. I think it's important that we realize that uh, this has got everything to do with Proverbs chapter 3, of course, because this is quoted there for the Lord loves, he reproves, even as a father corrects the son in whom he delights. I can support that I keep reading. How blessed is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. Then he switches the gender. For her profit is better better than the profit of silver, and her gain better than gold. She is more precious than jewels, and nothing you desire compares with her. I'll stop there. Even though there is a wealth of information in that chapter that is illicitly targeting those members with means. No doubt about it. So, with all of this in mind, ladies and gentlemen, don't you realize that now you're set up with, well, that's why he opened the book of Revelation with a greeting from God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, and then God the Son. He's telling you who he is. Now you know who you are. And Brian and I have really covered so very little of the information contained in here. And there's so much more that needs to be expanded upon. You know, I would suggest you spend a whole week in each church by yourself. Now you'll take note that I didn't point out every single group, did I? There were some I left out for a reason. You need to figure out which one you are, and you need to do so before this time is induced. You need to realize what's going on. And we have shared enough with you. And oh my goodness, we only got four minutes left, Brian. Do you have anything else that you would like to add about these seven churches uh, and everything, Brian? I need to remember to give you your full, uh, full leeway here. Um, so before I go any further, was there anything else that uh, needs to? to be added about not only this last church, but the churches in general? Well, I mean, mainly to touch once again on this same topic, you know, and I, there's an irony in this because actually the church previous inadvertently has led into events happening now with 
the church of Laodicea. The health, wealth, and prosperity, or as they call it, the prosperity gospel. And folks, if you've been, you've been told emphatically, if someone comes to you preaching another gospel, you are to reject it. But who is it that is standing behind, and they're using the term evangelical, and it, to a degree, is probably not correct. Because these people that are standing with this evangelical council behind the president of the United States, and no, United States of America is not the center of Bible prophecy, folks, just so we make that clear right now. They are all people that support the prosperity gospel. If you look on top of it, for instance, the uh, Koch Brothers uh, little organization also has that word prosperity tied up within it. Okay, folks, these are the same people that pushed for Jerusalem to be named the capital of Israel. So, once again, we have within this church, we have other false teachings being undone right in front of your eyes. I mean, it's rather amazing that if you go through each and every one of these churches, how many of these teachings are immediately and completely wiped out. You know, and this is another thing that sort of hit me today. I was looking over a comment that was made in reference to something on the social network today. And it really sort of hit me in a different way than it usually was because I saw something stated concerning a certain topic that I thought was a little bit, well, not a little bit. It was way off in left field. But here's the problem. Nobody's teaching at all on these things in the churches very few churches touch on these. Uh, you'll have a couple of ministries here or there that that's all they supposedly specialize in. But a lot of people aren't being taught anything regarding what is to come. And it's allowing them to have to sort of run around and try to figure out this stuff on their own. And they kind of can end up coming to some odd conclusions. So... To a degree, I can understand it, and at the same time, folks, there's got to start, some balance has to start coming in. So, you know, hopefully we're able to start clearing up some of these things over time here. I certainly hope so, Brian. I, I really do hope so. I think the best way for me to close this out is to bring up something that. He said, which is incredibly important, he said, therefore be zealous and repent. You know, ladies and gentlemen, that takes you straight to Zechariah chapter 8. That's right. I'm going to read it out of the Thompson because this is exactly where you need to go to if you're checking the Greek from Revelation chapter 3 verse 19 now the word of the Lord Almighty is come saying thus saith the Lord Almighty I have had a great jealousy of Jerusalem and Zion and with great wrath I have been jealous of her 
But, thus saith the Lord, I will return to Zion, and I will dwell in the midst of Jerusalem, and Jerusalem shall be called a city of truth, the mountain of the Lord Almighty, a holy mountain. Thus saith the Lord Almighty, again old men and matrons shall set in the streets of Jerusalem, every one with his staff in his hand, for a multitude of days. And the streets of the city shall be filled with boys and girls playing in her streets. Ladies and gentlemen, please read those first eight verses. If you are wealthy in the Ecclesia. I mean, just for help's sake, let's go with what the government keeps saying. If you make over $250,000 a year, let's just use that for a standard that's just common knowledge, I guess. That means you, definitely. Now, personally, I'll go one step farther. If you're making six-figure digits, oh yeah, this means you. Brian, your website and contact information, please. You can contact me at thebandsoftime at gmail.com. Uh, you can find me on Overt Attention Show on Twitter, and OvertAttentionShow.com is the website. Thanks for joining us. God bless. Ladies and gentlemen, if you would like to find my stuff, just uh, do a search, In Time Tribune. You might find me in more places than you were intending on looking. <laughs> Until next time, ladies and gentlemen. God bless. Godspeed.